0: Uh, and we'll do this on uh, with no theme song on the uh, GT201. I'm telling that to the engineer. Sure. Three, two, one. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast, God, Trump, and the 2020 election. And I'm talking today to Sammy Rodriguez, one of my best friends in the whole world, who is the head of the uh, National Hispanic Christian Leadership uh, Conference, and— has been tapped by the president to be on on the president's COVID-19 Faith Task Force and also on the National COVID-19 Recovery Commission. Congratulations on that. How in the world did that happen, and, and uh, what are you going to be doing in those roles? First of all, thank you. Always honored to be with you. Love you, my friend. And uh,
1: now I got like, the Heritage Foundation recruited me for the National Coronavirus COVID-19 commission, and that's that's the commission that's writing policy for the president. So we're writing policy. It's an incredible amount of work led uh, by just uh, just wonderful people. And then the faith council or task force, likewise, chiming in on how to reintegrate churches. So I see my primary role in that providing sort of a narrative for the faith community. And the number one objective that I had, Steve, there is to have the president and the White House, which they did, by the way, recognize clergy as essential and the spiritual
0: health of a nation as essential. And Because I do believe it is, right? The spiritual health of a nation is essential. Of of course it is. Why in the world did all these policymakers or politicians come up with that churches are non-essential? Where did that come from? Because there is an agenda behind that. Listen, uh, let me be frank
1: about this. There are governors in America of a a certain political persuasion that would like to, that in a punitive manner, I just said it, and for punitive purposes to punish constituencies that did not vote for them, and under the guise of uh, protecting the masses, have included churches in their third and fourth phases of, of restarting which to me is just morally reprehensible and egregious. I just saw a a newspaper clipping from the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, the last great pandemic to hit America and the world, for that matter, at this scale. You know what it read, Steve? I'll forward the, the article. It said churches to reopen, theaters and liquor stores to maintain to be closed. In 1918, they realized that churches were essential. And churches were opened in a a very uh, careful manner, but in a very expedited manner, because the, the spiritual health of a community is essential. And these governors, in my opinion, are just punishing individuals, a demographic, a constituency that did not vote and would not vote for them otherwise.
0: You know, and not only that, we have a constitutional right. We have a constitutional right to freedom of religion and freedom of assembly uh, the grocery stores, oh, oh. as important as they are for us to eat, have no constitutional right to be open. And uh, No, Steve. We, no, no, Steve. No, no, no. According to our
1: new reality, our rights are conditional and our rights are temporary. And a pandemic and a COVID-19, government has the right to take away our rights. That's what I discovered in the past three months, that my rights that I thought were God-given, my God-given rights, Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the Bill of Rights, these rights are conditional. The government has the power to put my rights on pause. Am I right or wrong? We discovered in the past three months that government, unfortunately, usurped its authority and told me the following I can't go to church, I can't go to work. In the state of Michigan, I can't even go visit my parents, even if they're elderly. I can't visit my loved ones, even to a degree that I couldn't even visit my neighbors. This is America 2020. And ladies and gentlemen, we better wake up because there's a difference right now. We are combating a totalitarian authoritarian worldview where it's government over man and man over God. When it's actually the other way around, it's God over man and man over government, God over man and man over government. That's the pecking order.
0: Absolutely. And this COVID-19 pandemic will be over at some point, and life will come back to some kind of normalcy. But what do you think it's going to look like, and what is the long-term effect of them shutting churches down and the churches very kind of passively going along with it? You know, at the beginning, uh, they were telling us that 2 million Americans would die. We thought it was You know, the modern equivalent of the bubonic plague, we didn't know. Now it seems that they were using the wrong models and maybe even lying to us, and it's not nearly that bad, thank God. But, um, you know, I think that what it did is it made a lot of these people on the left show their true colors and to see how much they could get away with and how long it would take for people to stand up to them. It's a wake-up call. We just saw the first initial depiction
1: of what socialism and communism actually looks like. Unbridled government authority. When Big Brother, when government is unhinged, uncensored, when government is over the people, we just experience that. Again, can you believe that? For a government official in America to tell me what I can and cannot buy at Home Depot? Can you believe this? In my lifetime, there is a government official elected by the people who actually instructed Americans in the state of Michigan what you can and cannot buy from Home Depot. Outrageous. Who does that? And, and my problem is not the fact that those that have that sort of worldview, those that have a secular humanist, anti-life, anti-religious liberty, big government worldview, they are exercising their new authority. My problem is with a passive church. My problem is with a lukewarm church. My problem is with a church that does not rise up with a prophetic voice and push back on this totalitarian, authoritarian worldview. For the sake of my children and my children's children, you're asking me, what will we look like? Hopefully, there will be a viable, measurable segment of the church that will rise up prophetically and kick out of office every elected official that overreached and stepped over their authority and somehow believe that they have the right to tell me that my God-given rights were no longer applicable in the world of COVID-19.
0: Well, I agree with you, and we've got to punish these people at the polls, and thank God we still have that right, but it's like our rights are, you know, uh, disappearing all the time, and it makes this election, you know, even though all these politicians won't be up for re-election this time— I think that in terms of the direction of the country and is Donald Trump going to win or not is even more important, and that is why I wrote God Trump in the 2020 election to try to, um, you know, sound a call. And I really appreciate the um, endorsement that you gave. And it's long enough. I don't want to read the whole thing. I I put it right with all the important uh, endorsements. I want you to know right above (laughs) Pat Boone. But here's what you said. It's not about a man. and Of course, you were referring to Donald Trump. It's a war against life, religious liberty, and biblical justice. Every single Christian concerned with life, religious liberty, and doing biblical justice in the name of Jesus must read this book. And I appreciate not only the kind words, but it's the fact, Sam, that you got it. You you know, that's why, in fact, in the new book that I wrote uh, called God, Trump, and COVID-19, I actually have a chapter that says it's not about Trump you know there are bigger issues it's just that it's an analysis of how trump is doing as a leader i th- i personally think he's done a great job okay. in a very very difficult unprecedented uh well, the job's done, President. but dealing with a pandemic is unprecedented for a president to have to deal with like this. The last time it happened in 1918, World War I was going on, and Woodrow Wilson had a whole different set of problems and dealt with it very yep. differently. But I think Trump has done a great job, but it also kind of throws the election up in the air, which is why I wrote this as kind of part two of the first book, God, Trump, in the 2020 election. What do you think?
1: Listen, it is about life, liberty, and biblical justice. At the end of the day, it transcends a personality. It's about our children and our children's children. And we need to wake up and smell the proverbial coffee. We really do. This election, hey, Steve, every single time, what do we hear? What's the adage? What's, what, what's the adage? The most important election in our lifetime. I kid you not. The 2020 election is the most important election in our <laughs> lifetime.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> there is like no hype. No exaggeration, no conspiracy theory. It really is. The future of Sam Rodriguez being able to preach the gospel to his children and his children's children is literally at stake. That's not hype. I live in California. I live in California. They, they were finding churches in Riverside, likewise in Kentucky, for a drive-in service where the windows were up. People were wearing masks. There was no human interaction, and, but, and you were fine. Liquor stores were open. Planned Parenthood is open. Walmart is open. But church of parking lots are not open? Are you kidding me? And for pastors to be passive and to drink the Kool-Aid, I will not be passive. We need declicked click dec- right now to rise up in the name of Jesus. We need prophetic voices in the name of Jesus to rise up and come against this idea that our rights can be sacrificed on the altar of political expediency, a pandemic, or a national crisis.
0: Boy, this is so good. I mean, uh, uh, we're singing from the same song sheet, uh, and, uh, you know, thank God there are judges that are ruling in favor of churches. In fact, I think just about all of them, the few that didn't, were overridden by the appellate. Uh, uh, Attorney General Barr uh, is trying to— To de- defend churches, and so is the president. But you're right; there some of the states that are blue uh, have very far left. I'd never really thought of the fact that they're punishing people who didn't vote for them. But I think that that's a very common sense way to look at it. Again, and this is I am not like even in on
1: my commissions that I serve on by the grace of God. Sam Rodriguez is not not, and Steve Strang, Steve and Sam are not saying hey, churches should reopen at 100% capacity and go there by faith and don't wear any mask, don't, don't, clean, don't clean your hands, and if you're vulnerable, go in there anyway. No one is saying that. Quite the opposite. I laid out a plan in the commission where we should open up very with great caution to be both prophetic and pragmatic. I, matter of fact, some of my fellow pastors accused me of being too conservative. Let me explain. I recommended 25% building capacity for the first two weeks. Move up to 50% if no one gets sick. And then only go up to 75% if you can maintain social distancing of at least six feet. Go multiple services, continue online. The most vulnerable should stay at home. If someone over 65 wants to come to your church, you may wanna put them in a separate part of the church. You really wanna be careful with them, require them to wear masks. We're gonna take temperature, we're gonna read temperatures in the foyer in the lobbies of our campuses. We're going to make sure our staff is sanitized, clean. We're going to do everything by the CDC book. Matter of fact, in my church, we're not even doing six feet. We're going 10 feet. My point is we, we want to be both practical and prophetic. So no one is going on the edge of extremism. But churches, I recommend that churches, at their discretion, should be able to gather when they feel they should be able to gather. And, and, but we should not
0: permit government to dictate when we can exercise our God-given right. Yeah, and especially when you're talking about people sitting in their cars and parking lots and trying to be creative in how they deal with it. And, you know, every once in a while I have to go into a grocery store, and yes, people are careful, and I see them wiping down the shopping carts. But you know what? People are p- passing each other 18 inches apart in the aisle, but yet people can't pass each other in the between the pews at a church. I mean, it's crazy. And um, and the same thing with uh, uh, liquor stores, you know, people park their car in the liquor stores, but people couldn't park their car in the church parking lot. And uh, I just hope that they're, as I said earlier, that that we vote them out of office. We've got to take a stand. And it is a wake up call. And that's why I wrote these two books was my way to try to wake people up and to make the argument uh, on what at what's at stake. Uh, for Christians if he loses because, you know, Christians tend to be a little more conservative and we're concerned about trade and the national debt and the infrastructure crumbling and everything else. But, you know, uh, people of goodwill can disagree on those political points. We're talking about fundamental rights, our religious freedoms, being able to share the gospel. You know, that is really what's at stake. Uh, And it's been eroding for longer than you and I have been alive, and it's going to continue, but is it going to take over or not? That's what we're dealing with right now. So as we wrap up this podcast, I'll give you the last word.
1: Our generation will determine whether or not religious liberty will still be discovered and found in America in the next generation. What our generation confronts, what we do, what we do in our generation will determine whether or not the next generation in America will continue to preserve and function out of our God-given rights. It's up to you and I and every single listener right now to activate their prophetic purpose. There is no such thing as silent Christianity, comfortable Christianity. We are what we tolerate. This election will determine what will happen to the next generation. So please, please, please rise up. Remind everyone around you that it's God over man and man over government.
0: So well said, and tell people how they can connect with your ministry or contact you somehow. You can follow
1: us on Instagram at Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, Facebook, Samuel Rodriguez, Twitter at NHCLC. They can watch us on television, Christian television, and the various television networks Monday through Sunday, and of course they can pick up our books that we publish with Charisma. You Are Next is our most recent book, Pick it up, um, download it, or pick it up at a bookstore near you.
0: Well, thank you for being my friend. I've known you since you were in your 20s. You were already making a name for yourself as a firebrand preacher. But I'm just so proud of how you have become a leader, not only in the Christian community, but for the whole nation. And now the president's tapped you on these important roles. And thank you for the support you've given to me personally, especially with these books and the endorsement and... I hope that people will pick them up uh they can all the books are available really wherever books are sold although that's all been disrupted now but they can go to my website stevestrangbooks.com. and with that I'll thank my listeners for listening. Share this with other people. This is one of the most important podcasts I've done. I really believe that. We've got to get the word out, and I just so appreciate the passion, the vision, and how articulate you are in saying this. Thank you for listening. Tune in again tomorrow for another podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Stephen Strang.